Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Lakers fans, the time has come. We're three days away. We're right around the corner, and the Lakers are back on the basketball court. We're not talking about hypotheticals. We're not talking about what ifs. We're way out of free agency, and we are in the real deal live action. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hoopball Lakers podcast. I'm always, as always, I'm your man, Ethan Noroff, and on today's episode, I am thrilled. Might I repeat, I am thrilled to introduce the man, the myth, the legend himself, the guy you can call him the co-host. Sometimes he'll fly this ship all on his own. You're going to get real familiar with him. JC, what's happening, baby? What's going on? How are you, man? I'm, 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 st- I'm stoked that you're going to be part of this, man. And I think, you know, what our Lakers fans are looking for, because we're going to get into some early training camp takeaways today. We got Avery Bradley popping off. We got Dwight Howard looking like an actual contributor. We got questions about Kyle Kuzma's foot. But, you know, this audience, we don't know you yet, man. So let's talk about you. What what, what you're going to bring to the table? And most importantly, why the Lakers besides is the best team to root for? Yeah. Um, so I reached out to the hoop ball people. I was on a lot of the podcasts last year sparingly just kind of because I came on in the middle of the season. Uh, the reason why Lakers is is pretty obvious. I'm not going to lie. I am a LeBron guy. Uh, my, hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> my loyalty does kind of follow him, but I have been such a huge basketball fan for almost my entire life. I've followed and I don't have a fa- favorite team because players move around so often. Um, but I do have plenty of Lakers bona fides. I loved uh, the Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel years. Shaq is one of my all-time favorite guys. Uh, I'm actually not much of a Kobe guy, so when he was when he was running, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm gonna have to stop you right there, JC. I don't know if that's gonna resonate with everybody on this podcast, but I'm gonna let you keep going. I know. I I, I recognize his greatness. I just, as far as preferences, he, he I was never much of a Kobe guy, but I definitely recognize how how great he is and. I mean, I think I think that's a polarizing presence, right? You either love him, you hate him, but no matter where you fall on the spectrum, we all agree that you can't tell the story of basketball, and you definitely can't tell the story of the Lakers without Kobe. Yeah, and so so yeah, the Lakers was uh, they've always been a team that at some point or another I've, I've held an interest in. So yeah, when when LeBron chose the Lakers, I was really excited because um, I just for you know it had been years before I like brought myself to wear you know wear Laker gear and all that, but. Yeah, when uh, as all the other teams he's been on, I never bought as much Heat gear or uh, Cavaliers gear, but I bought a bunch of Lakers gear when he when he came on. Well, I got I got three pieces of good news for you. So, what do you want first, the good news or the good news? <laughs> Let's go with the good news. The good news is everything looks better in purple and gold, so I don't blame you for waiting to cop the merch because that is the most valuable one. The second piece of good news is, as a follower of LeBron, you're not alone because Anthony Davis follows the same path, and I think we can all agree he's pretty damn good at basketball. And finally, the good news is, hey, man, Eddie Jones and Nick Van Exel, 
those players were both on my wall growing up, so I feel you on that. I think we're going to get along just fine on this show. And before we go any further, because I'm feeling fully caffeinated, that's right, you heard me three days before training camp, ripe into the middle of the teaching season, you might be saying, man, how is he feeling so caffeinated on a Wednesday evening? And I'll tell you, it's because our friends at Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee keeps me straight-laced and ready to rock at a moment's notice. You never know where I might be at. My energy level is feeling good. Thank you, guys. Shout out to those folks. You can find them on Amazon or anywhere where your previous favorite coffee was sold. And I always say previous because once you try it, you will not go back. So, JC, that energy level is what I need you to match. Are you ready to do this? I'm ready. All right, let's do it, man. I think the big topics, you know, we're going to hit you guys with some early training camp takeaways. Obviously, the Lakers get their preseason started rather early, as do most teams. You got the game on the 5th against the Warriors. And I think the most interesting thing so far in training camp has been the Avery Bradley hype. I mean, we heard a little bit about it this summer. Lakers brought him in, right? He was sort of, uh, I don't want to say unexpectedly available because the expectation was that he'd be waived. I don't know that anyone thought he'd wind up on the Lakers necessarily, but the Avery Bradley hype has been real. We heard all summer he lost 40 pounds, and a lot of people were like, well, where did he lose 40 pounds from? And I think what most people are missing with Avery Bradley is when you're compromised and you have a lower body injury, hamstring, groin, anything like that, you are really limited in what you can do in terms of your conditioning. And I think it just caught up with Avery Bradley last year. He was in a bad situation, kind of put himself back on the map with Memphis once he got to play with the Grizzlies, but man, he sure sounds like he is impressing in camp, and I would not be surprised if he winds up as the starter on this team. Yeah, I'm anxious to see how how he responds. There there are guys that have been teammates of LeBron throughout the year that I wonder people have wondered how they'd really respond, but I think uh, LeBron's such a great leader. I think he brings the best out of people who are in situations similar to Avery Bradley's and people who are trying to seek redemption People questioned, you know, how how much of an impact J.R. Smith would would have had on Cleveland, and I I I felt like he was somebody who was going to follow LeBron's lead and and play really well, and so I, I I'm hoping for that out of Avery Bradley. Well, I think I think there's something to what you said because Avery Bradley said himself, right? He said. In choosing the Lakers, he said, quote, I felt like this was a situation where I could reach my full potential. And what he did was he cited his playing time when he was in Boston with the Celtics, playing around Kevin Garnett plus Rondo, who's obviously on this Lakers team now. And what he said in his extended clip was basically they wouldn't allow me to take a night off. And I think that's what we're we're looking at when we talk about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, with Frank Vogel at the helm. This team's problem will not be offense. That's not how they will derive an identity. They will derive their identity on the defensive end. And Avery Bradley brings something to the point guard position that I just don't see with those other guys. Alex Caruso is a high-energy, high-effort player on the defensive end. I don't want to say he's great. He's solid, but he's not great. Rajon Rondo gambles on everything these days. And Quinn Quinn Cook is best known for his offense. So from that particular perspective, I kind of feel like Avery Bradley brings something to the table that these other guys just don't at the point guard spot. Yeah, and I feel like it, it gives them uh, options. They can they can have their offensive specialty unit. They can have their defensive specialty unit where in the backcourt, maybe you put both KCP and Avery Bradley as the guards. And then you've got a, a Front court combination of LeBron, AD, and like Javale, and go go big on the front, get big on the front court, mid size in the wings, but just everybody who's got a really tenacious defense. 
Yeah, and I, and I think that's a great point because the, one of the best aspects of this Lakers roster, at least on paper, is the optionality, right? They can roll out a lot of different five-man groupings, and too bad, obviously, DeMarcus Cousins is hurt and lost for the year because that would have been a whole nother ball game as well. But they still got a lot of five-man groupings that they could potentially roll with. And what I like about Bradley is, you know, if you've got a, a lineup where you even want to put Avery Bradley at the two because you've got LeBron playing the de facto one, you can do that. And not a lot of teams will be able to because Avery Bradley's not the biggest guy in the world, but he can guard guys who are bigger than him. And I think what this Lakers team has been missing for a long time is that guy or those guys on the perimeter who set the tone by the three-point line. So every time a guy is driving in, whether it's to lay it up, dunk, or to kick it out, it's not someone trying to rotate over from the weak side or a blown coverage being or the defense collapsing or any of these situations that we've sort of seen from the Lakers time and time and time again. Even before Kobe retired, they really haven't been a great team on the defensive end. But when they're most effective is when everybody is engaged at that end. And my hope is between, obviously, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, because Anthony Davis himself has said, look, I want to be defensive player of the year. He's embracing it, too. And I think the communication piece will be so vital to this team fulfilling its potential. You know, Kyle Kuzma said, look, this team has gone from basically player development business to competing for a championship more or less overnight. And although the Lakers have never really been in the player development business, the last couple of years that's that's kind of what we've heard and that's what it's been about right so i think the expectations are changing for this lakers team and you know it's talking about optionality they, they've got a lot of options just at point guard and if you're looking at how much they're paying each guy avery bradley's at the top of the food chain followed by uh quinn cook followed by alex caruso and followed by rajon rondo and from that perspective and just based on all of these five-man groupings that we've seen sort of experimented with so far Part of me wonders if Rajon Rondo might be the odd man out in this situation because even though he's got the respect from LeBron James and Anthony Davis as the vet in the room, it feels like he's the guy who doesn't bring a clear skill to that position on this Lakers roster that they might need. What do you think, JC? As I, I agree with you because as the experienced veteran, he he might just find himself sort of on the odd man as the odd man out. Um, from the clips that I've seen. Uh, in practice, I've seen Caruso really get after it defensively and him really lead that second unit. Um, I know it's a small sample size from, from last season, but I was really impressed with how, what he did last season and how he played with LeBron specifically. And I think LeBron has even kind of given his endorsement of, of Caruso. Um, and so, yeah, I think of, of pure point guards, I think you're able to kind of exclude Quinn Cook from that list. He's kind of more of a small two rather than a true one. And so if you look at you know, like Avery Bradley, Rondo, Caruso. Um, yeah, I think you, I think you could see Rondo sort of falling, seeing sort of falling out of favor. And 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 assuming that does happen, do you feel that he's going to be satisfied with that role? I mean, granted, he's only on a minimum deal, so if he's really causing a stink, the Lakers can say see you later. But is he going to be satisfied sitting on the bench? <laughs> but I mean, you haven't really seen that from him. He seems to have a lot of respect uh, uh, towards LeBron, and, and he played with Anthony Davis before, and so I think hopefully that will kind of keep him in line. And it's interesting because I think even though I'm bummed DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, right, what Lakers fan isn't upset about that, at least to some extent now that we've had some time to process it. But by the same token, if DeMarcus Cousins is in the starting five, I really think Rajon Rondo might be the starting point guard because of the narrative that exists for when Rondo was in New Orleans with Boogie and with AD. But because DeMarcus Cousins is no longer in that starting five and you're looking at either JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, I think that actually diminishes his chances of being named the starter. Am I crazy or is there something to my theory? No, there's something to that theory. Like I, 
people talked about how it was a reunion of the what was it 2016 uh, Pelicans, mm-hmm. um, but and that and that was a decent team. I think they won like 46 or 48 games. If you right. if you basically take the heart of that lineup and then add LeBron, like wow, yeah, that, that's gonna work. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so, right? At least on paper and in theory. And I think with the Lakers, too, that you've got LeBron James, who's obviously got the skill set of a guard, for lack of a better way to describe it. A, a big guard at that, but certainly a guard. And Anthony Davis, too. Remember, he didn't hit his growth spurt until high school, so he came up as a guard. And then all of a sudden, you look at this backcourt with four guys at the point, three guys at shooting guard, and you start thinking about, well, who's not going to play? Because there can't be minutes for all of them. So you got Avery Bradley, Alex Caruso, Rajon Rondo, Quinn Cook, all at the point guard. And then the two, you got KCP, Danny Green, and Troy Daniels. And as we were talking about just before we started filming this, you know, they didn't bring in Danny Green on a free agent contract at double digit million dollar salary to sit on the bench and not play. Okay. Let's be very frank and honest about that. It would be a major shock if Danny Green is not in the starting five. And then you look at a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope, who they've already put two years into, gave him another two years. So by the end of this contract, they're gonna wind up paying him four years and fifty million, something around there. I don't think he's coming to sit on the bench either. Plus, I think he's got something to prove on both ends of the court. So then you start looking at, okay, Troy Daniels might be a guy that we can get rid of, so to speak, pretty easily from the rotation, right? There will be nights in which he plays, and there will be nights in which he plays more than expected, but he's really an instant offense guy off the bench. You know, Lakers might go down. Maybe you put him in, get a little spark, something like that, but he's probably not going to be a consistent rotation player. But that still leaves six guys. And when you're talking about Alex Caruso sometimes spending time off the ball, like we started to see in training camp a little bit, where do you make your cut, JC? Yeah, I mean, it's probably probably going to be Troy Daniels. When when he was one of the free agents that signed, the first thing I did was go to YouTube and kind of look at his highlights from last season. Beyond his shooting stroke, which is, I mean, he's got one of the... the oh, he's electric. He's electric. Yeah, he's got one of the better looking shooting strokes I've seen in the league. Um, there's not a whole, there wasn't a whole lot else in the, in those highlight packages. Now, granted, he may not have had the opportunity to do much else. Um, but I mean, there weren't much defensive highlights in there. And so that's where I could see him being the odd man out. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely hard to disagree with you there, but I'm I'm still looking at the rest of these guys, A.B., Caruso, Rondo, Cook, KCP, Green. Any of those guys who don't make it into J.C.'s rotation if he's the head coach of the Lakers? Um... I mean, yeah, probably Rondo. Um, and depending on his offensive ability, Avery Bradley might end up being just kind of a defensive special specialist who. Well, and that's and that's the thing. There's so much of this is riding on Avery Bradley's potential, right? Because if he can come in, guard the best guy on the other team with the ball, and hit the three ball at a clip above 36, 37%, that's a player you're not going to want to take off the floor, right? Yeah. And so I'm looking at these two guard spots. You've got 96 minutes between the one and the two, right? You've got 48 minutes at each spot. And if you've got Avery Bradley at 24 minutes, Alex Caruso at 20 minutes, and Quinn Cook at 15 minutes, well, that's already 59 minutes. And if you've got Danny Green playing 30 and KCP playing 20, that's 50. And my friend, 109 is greater than 96, so we still have to shave 13 minutes off of this, which basically means Quinn Cook doesn't play except all but two minutes. And that looks like your rotation, A, B, Caruso, Green, and KCP. I cannot imagine that Quinn Cook signed with the Lakers to not play. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to who can who can contribute defensively because even that defensive lineup that I talked about because 
I'd forgotten forgotten about Danny Green for a second. So yeah, you can throw in A. V. Bradley, KCP in the backcourt, and then put Danny Green as the three, and then there that's where you can have like LeBron and AD splitting time between the four and the five. Avery, Bra- Avery Bradley, Danny Green, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard could be a hell of a defensive lineup. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, that's yeah. even even a defensive lineup like that is a situation where if they were to go small, even though Anthony Davis doesn't want to play the five, I could see him being okay with being a five in a scenario like that. All right, so while we're talking about the five, right, because we got to sort of reduce the burden on AD. He's been very vocal about this. That's why that's why we brought in Dwight Howard when DeMarcus Cousins went down. And everything that I've seen so far is that both guys, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, are having a very impressive start to camp. Yeah, uh, I've seen seen a couple of videos where I've seen uh, uh, seen them all, all three of them kind of battling it, battling it out and for rebounds and things like that. And their scrimmages have looked pretty intense. And so... Yeah, I think you'll get a lot of value out of really all three of them. Yeah, and I mean, I think, look, the reality is there is no way Dwight Howard can go into this situation with anything except humility. I mean, the dude is literally on a training camp contract. He's wearing number 39. That is not his preferred number, very obviously. And I think from from the Lakers' perspective, this is a chance at a chance, right? Because if he is a problem at any point, you pull the plug and you say, see you later. But the reality is JaVale McGee is actually better suited to play that really athletic rim running role. It's going to, you know, balls to the wall while he's out there, so to speak. And he plays 12 to 15 minutes a game. So that leaves, you know, 30 to 35 minutes a night, basically at the center spot where you're looking for production and AD may be able to play six or eight of those, but Dwight Howard is going to have to play on this team. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think like if you're if you're Frank Vogel and you're looking for a center who can bang with some of those bigger guys and take the load off of AD, I might even think that Dwight Howard is your starting center right now. Yeah, I I can see I can see the second unit kind of being a higher energy defensive focused unit and in that scenario, yeah, I can see it, and, JaVale being more more valuable in that with that type of right. than, than right. Right. And I think the other thing is, too, you know, the last stint that Dwight Howard with the Lakers, look, I don't even want to get into because it's not even a a point of reference in terms of the comparison because it's so different between now and then. What I will say about Dwight, though, is if he's in the first five, he has no choice but to accept his role because he will not be a preferred offensive option. He is there to rebound the basketball. He is there to defend the rim and he is there to put the ball back. That's his job. And if he can't accept that job, the Lakers need to think long and hard about what his value is to this team. But everything that I've seen so far would suggest that he's welcoming uh, that embrace. And I think, like you said, you know, JaVale in the second unit, especially if uh, Rondo winds up in the second unit and they can run up and down the floor together, that might be a nice two-man pairing as well. I don't know how much defense they're going to play, but that might be a nice two-man pairing. And all of this is impacted by Kyle Kuzma's foot because if Kyle Kuzma isn't ready for the regular season, which is becoming a concern for me at this point, then the Lakers rotation really gets thrown out of whack. Yeah, feet are always a concern. Uh, unclear timetables are always a concern. Um, I saw a video the other day where he he's was shooting threes one-footed because he doesn't want to put pressure on, on the other foot. And uh, Well, you don't want to ruin anything before you sign that five-year endorsement deal with Puma now, do you? Yeah. <laughs> That's that's really the key, and I mean, I, I I like Kyle Kuzma. Seems like a good dude. Seems like an improving player. But some of those Pumas he was wearing, those were fugly, my man. We got to get rid of those. Yeah, I, I'm kind of a. I mean, I like Pumas' reemergence into the NBA game. Uh, I have. Hey man, I li- I like it too. And and as a shoe guy, if any company, I don't care who you are, Skechers, Leaning, Anta. 
whatever you got for me, if you want to pay me to wear your product, I'm in. Yeah, somebody on the late, I can't remember who it might have been Rondo. Somebody was wearing Antas. On the- oh, that's a that's a Rondo special. Okay, yeah. Oh yeah, he he and Clay Thompson both. Oh okay, I knew for sure Clay. I didn't know Rondo was was with on Clay Clay Thompson, the non Laker who everyone wanted to be a Laker, who was never going to be a Laker, but it was still fun to dream about him being a Laker for all of five seconds. Yeah. Right. That's where we wound up with that. So I think with Kuzma's foot, this impacts the center position because it puts a greater demand on Dwight. It puts a greater demand on JaVale, puts a greater demand on Anthony Davis. And, you know, Jared Dudley's a veteran who's not done a whole lot in training camp because he's not doing a whole lot yet. But if Kuzma's going to miss time, Jared Dudley becomes a lot more important to this team. Yeah, and I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a big sentence to say with the season on the horizon and the Lakers having championship aspirations. Jared Dudley is suddenly very important to this team. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I guess there's still potential for some of the buyout market. Like some people think Andre Iguodala might still be on the buyout market. Or Oh, that's the dream target. I mean, we've been really vocal about that here. I've been really vocal about that on my Twitter. I mean, look, there's no doubt there's mutual interest on, 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 on both sides. That's what mutual interest is. But it's a staring contest, and the Lakers can't rely on something that might be. No, yeah, for sure, because that's what happened at the start of free agency. <laughs> exactly, and when you rely on potential, it either winds up really good or it can wind up blowing up in your face. And for this Lakers team that has aspirations of certainty, especially given how last year uh, was constructed and executed in the first year of LeBron, you just can't rely on that. So it'll be very interesting to see. You know, I, I think they're going to have to get a little creative, maybe push Danny Green down onto the wing at times, into the small forward spot specifically. And you might see KCP even playing small down there at times because you might have a backcourt that looks like, you know, let's just throw out Rondo, or, excuse me, Bradley, KCP, and Danny Green, right? That's definitely a possible three-man combination flanked by LeBron and AD in the front court, something like that. And I think if you're the Lakers, you got to be looking at all these different options in training camp as sort of your you know, ability to, to do the litmus test to see how it looks before you roll it out into the season to see how it looks because you've just got so many new parts of this team. And you've got guys in like Taylor Horton Tucker, Costa Satanacumpo, who's on a two-way, right? Guys who are major question marks who you just don't know. And, and really, Avery Bradley to a certain extent, too. Alex Caruso a little bit, too. We want to see him prove it again. You've got at least a few question marks on this team. And like I said, if the Lakers have, have aspirations of t- contending for a title and everything that we've heard would suggest that they do, you don't trade for Anthony Davis if you don't think you're a championship contender in a free agent year. And so the Lakers have, you know, they look good on paper, but I think the real key is how committed they are to the defensive end. And for those guys like Kuzma is a prime example of this, for those guys who have been asked to play different roles previously in their career, will they adapt to their new roles on this Lakers team? And will they adapt consistently and will they do it well? I think that's my biggest question for this group right now. Yeah, and that's kind of going back to their, their, their flexibility in their rosters. I think over the last couple of years, you've seen teams – list as a, as a negative statistic like oh this team started this many different lineups or this team started this many different lineups so they were right the season and only had one lineup um i was talking to a friend of mine the other day who i i don't know much i don't know anything about the spurs so far this year but he said they don't really have any centers on their roster and so like that's going to be a game in which you know dwight howard and javel may not be needed as much and so i think the lakers should really right. embrace that flexibility because so many different teams have so many different types of lineups, and if they can be good with all of them, then yeah, that's only a positive. Well, I think it's so interesting because part of the part of the thing that people do, right? 
when they describe how people are performing at work or what they do, they say, oh, I've been in this job for 20 years. And what I always like to say is, well, longevity is not necessarily a sign of excellence. It can be, but it can also be a sign of nobody wants to deal with you. So just because you have the same starting five all year doesn't mean that it went well or it shouldn't be improved. It's sort of like walking in somewhere and them saying, well, we have the best culture ever and you know, we were really proud of it. And me saying, well, what's so great about your culture that it can't be improved because we can all be improved all the time and them not having an answer for it, right? Because that, that's sort of what we're talking about here. And I, and I think with the Lakers, you know, they've, they've done a really good job of coming together. You know, there was some concern going into training camp that, you know, what kind of command, for lack of a better word, would Frank Vogel have on this huddle? And it's been really refreshing to see LeBron and Anthony Davis both be very vocal in their support of him. And, you know, LeBron specifically saying, look, we want a coach that's going to hold all of us account accountable. And with LeBron saying that, in addition to what he's been saying about ceding the, the responsibilities to Anthony Davis, playing through Anthony Davis, LeBron has not made it this far in basketball, in business, or in life by being a dummy. This is very purposeful. Yeah, I agree. Totally. And I, and, I, and I think the reality is if you're Frank Vogel, especially considering how you got this job and with Jason Kidd right on your shoulder, that's got to feel pretty good, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know, of course, in times of trial, things always get a little bit testier and, and narratives start to emerge seemingly out of nowhere that get planted through Brian Windhorst, <clears throat> excuse me, or anyone else in the media. But whatever the case might be for this Lakers team, they will face challenges because the reality is that Western Conference is loaded and they're going to be more nights on than nights off, regardless of who they play. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Brian Windhorst. Um, did you hear the news uh, recently about Shams? It came out like within... The last two hours, so you might not have seen it. I have not. Uh, so Shams uh, switched his agents, and he's now under United Talent Agency, which is headed by Rich Paul. It's not Clutch, but it's still an agency headed by Rich Paul. And so people are like, oh, now Shams is going to get all the LeBron stories. And yeah. <laughs> Wow, that's very interesting, you know? And, and I think that, uh, you know, Wendy, as connected as he is, and Shams is connected as he is. You know, my man for Lakers news and, and the clutch connection is Chris Haynes over at Yahoo. Yeah. That's, that's the guy who really gets the good scoops. That's where I'm at these days. Do you remember before, and before, before, while we're talking about starting lineups, I just have to throw it out there. Do you remember our friend RD Ambition of Lakers Reddit? <laughs> I do. <laughs> this dude is still going somehow, okay? Still going. And I just happened to scroll over to his Twitter page right now. Yesterday tweeted out, Rajon Rondo has emerged as the early favorite to start at point guard, according to sources. Main concern regarding shooting and spacing has been addressed with offseason shooting improvements. Lakers hopeful, quote, improved shooting translates into games. You know what I say about that? That is the easiest thing to fake in the world, and there's no way to prove if you're right or wrong. Good job on that source game, right? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't looked at his Twitter page since, like, well after free agency ended. I Yeah. Well, I think I think the reality is, look, we we as people, okay, we always want to look behind door number two because the potential of the what if, and we want to believe in potential and what could be. But the reality is, this dude has been wrong, has been consistently wrong, and regardless of Rajon Rondo starting or wind up being buried on the bench, this is such an an a, the way that this report is worded 
it can either be refuted or it can be supported. And either way, it doesn't really matter. So if you're going to come out with sourced information, come out with sourced information. There's nothing worse than he- – it's like it's like hedging a bet. It's like saying I put a $100,000 bet on the Lakers. Oh, but I also bet $99,999.99 on the Clippers. Like you can't just do that. You know what I'm saying? And that's the most frustrating thing with this age of Twitter reporting. And that's why my notifications are only on for the big dogs. <laughs> All right, man. Anything else with this Lakers team, early training camp impressions, something you want to see from them before we get up on out of here for our first episode together? Um, I mean, not much. I'm just kind of looking at different uh, training, uh, some of the practice videos. They, they're scrimmaging really intensely, so that's good to see. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to it. Um, I also didn't mention I, I live in Austin, Texas, and so the only NBA games I ever managed to go to are Spurs games, of which – I mentioned player liking players from different teams. I've never, there's never really been anybody on the Spurs that I've liked, and so I've never really followed the Spurs that often. I just go to their games all the time. Uh, but yeah. I, I think you should. I think you should buy a Greg Popovich glue on beard. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I am going to be on their the Lakers game on the November third. So hopefully that'll that'll be. Oh, there you go. One month from tomorrow, we got our own insider. JC is going to be doing some scouting for us. You going you going to bring the pen and the pad, bring your media tag, and come back with notes for us. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's what we need from you, JC. And for me, before we get out of here, I think from this Lakers team, what I'm looking for is I'd like them to establish what they think the rotation is going to be early because I think what's going to be important to this Lakers team is not just figuring out what works, but figuring out what works on the earlier side and being able to practice what works what works on the earlier side because otherwise it's going to be a real challenge for this Lakers team to build any sense of continuity. And once the regular season starts, it's just such a fast-paced action. You're going to have LeBron taking maintenance days of practice. Anthony Davis is going to be wrapped in bubble wrap you know, to keep Keep him healthy, especially in his walk year. And I think the Lakers are going to have to find time with that five-man group, both in the first and the second unit, right? Because that's that's how you build it. And the difference between 50 wins and 57 wins could be the difference between a one and the eight seed in the Western Conference this year, very honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a tight race. So we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, you know, Lakers are going to be engaging in their first preseason action on the next episode of Lakers Hoopball Podcast. I am going to be doing a crossover episode with my man Brandon over at the Hoopball Clippers show. You already know the battle for L.A. has never felt more real than it than it does currently, but I'm here to remind you that L.A. will always remain to the Lakers no matter what the scoreboard says. For JC, I'm Ethan. Until next time, we out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.